Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you as always for tuning in. Today's Best Served Podcast 284. We're talking who gets to cook Asian food with Ching Ran Hu of Look Who's Cooking. This is Best Served New Volume 2, Episode 3 of 8. Ching, how's it going? Doing very well. How are you? I am doing great. I am excited. This is when I get really, really motivated. I love the backstory. I love customers. And Best Served started completely as a way to to celebrate, to acknowledge what I call unsung hospitality here is the people in the industry that like truly make this possible. One, because every time I've succeeded, it's because I invested all of myself into my people and recognize as a leader, it is our jobs to create the space for them to thrive, to empower them. And every single time I've failed as some asshole, egotistical chef, it's because I took people for granted. I thought they were lucky to be here, all of that. And so this platform was an opportunity for me to one, you know, pay it back to them and make amends for all the times that I burned bridges. So like, this is literally what this whole, this whole endeavor was for. And now you and I are here to talk about who we are, who you are as, as a crew. And so we're going to get into that. But first, as always, I want to kind of take a look back as we go through these eight parts of the series every week, we're going to kind of focus on one topic, but we want to check in with what we did last week. And so last week we focused on, on who we serve right? Our customer archetypes. And we broke one down. We had Andrew with us and we broke one down, really loved the way that you're thinking about specific people. So continue to do that. And then I want to pop up here, gluten-free nerds. This is basically what we're creating. It's kind of this Venn diagram. We have characteristics, right? This is who they are. We have demographics. This is some of the more boring elements, but I think it's important to understand where they're at financially, understand where they are in their life cycle, in their career, and those those elements. And then we have these characteristics, right? And so you had the gluten-free nerds. And we talked about the furrow, the elevator pitch that you had for them, what motivates them, quality, style, ease of ordering. And Sophie, we can drop that off the screen. Just wanted to give people a visual of what we're creating. So touching base on that and reflecting on that for a moment and kind of what we talked about. You still feel really good about the gluten-free nerds being one of the top drivers any other thoughts as you've kind of like reflected on that? I saw people commenting, thinking, you know, appreciating what you're putting out there. Any kind of reflective moment that you have from last week thinking about the gluten-free nerds driving your business forward? So, you know, it's it's. I'm excited about that to give them a safe space to be able to come and eat and enjoy delicious food um, and not have to worry about how they're going to feel in six hours, 10 hours, whenever, whenever that might be. Um, and just know that, you know, like one of my friends that commented, his wife is, um, very gluten intolerant. And so he's super excited because he used to support me when I ran the other place. So he knows the original fuss sauce on um, when it wasn't gluten-free. So yeah. Okay. I like that. And touch on that because I think this is a thread that comes up again and again. I think we're going to talk about today. There's, there's like, 
worry there's there's this sense of like anxiety there's this sense of like not knowing what you're getting yourself into is this going to be good for me i know i want it but is it going to hurt all of these things for you why is that so important for you to to address for people you know is that concern that worry about what they're putting in their body the impact that it's going to have on them you bet so when janice and i first started kind of dabbling in food that type of thing um we went vegetarian went vegan i ended up waking up in the middle of the night with severe pains of and we didn't know what was causing it i'd been having some skin issues prior to even moving out to colorado doctors would Mm. throw different like steroid creams and stuff was like oh it's just an irritation from your belt it's this that the other thing never really looking into what was causing that we started tracking what we were eating and realized that my soy intake had severely increased so i cut soy out completely and that was all hidden forms of soy too so it was a crap ton of label reading educating myself on where soy could be hidden um cut that out all of my issues went away the pains went away the skin issues went away i shed a bunch of weight um I know now, like I can have some, um, you know, and it doesn't completely destroy me. Um, but I also know when I get super stressed out, when I start getting some skin issues or I start feeling uncomfortable, it's probably because I've increased my soy intake, um, because it is hidden in so much stuff. Yeah. Um, And not only, not only that, but you also then like people that are in food, we stress eat (laughs) because food is such the thing that brings us joy and and suffocates sorrow and there's a lot of that in this and so yeah we stress eat like crazy you know to our own detriment (laughs) and and soy sauce is in all the good stuff it's in all the good stuff so like yeah Mm -hmm. i can see that being a major major issue for you and was it the gluten specifically or was there other elements within soy sauces because i know some people have issues organic soy sauces can be okay for Mm -hmm. them Mainly for me, it was soy. We realized that she had a gluten intolerance. Her grandmother's celiac. And so, um, you know, some of the soy stuff she's actually okay with in in very small quantities. But that's still one area that, like, pick and choose kind of how much you want to roll the dice on that. And so just having things that are a little bit more um, inherently safe for people um, and, and knowing what's in each of the items. That way I can navigate people through what they can enjoy. Got it. So you yourself are a gluten-free nerd. It makes way more sense now. So you're you're scratching your own inch. I think that's important. And people are resonating with that. They're, you're really building that that group of people that believe what you believe. And I think that's, that's an important thing. All right. Love that. You're going to build a lot more of these. We'll be seeing a lot more Venn diagrams. Probably not on the show, but with people, anybody who interacts with you, you yourself, you're going to be building a lot more of these. We want to really drill down and you can get more specific. And when we get into the menu descriptions, when we get into marketing, you'll see exactly how those really land and the message that's important. And what you just mentioned, your personal story, people are going to relate to that. Absolutely. People are going to relate to that. So I appreciate that. All right. Who we are. So absolutely fundamentally important. Get clear on who we are. We create job stories, right? We're going beyond the job description. We want to tell a compelling, meaningful story. I'm a broken record. I'm going to say this again and again and again. I don't care what it is. Even the numbers. When we get into numbers, I'm like, they tell a story. What story is that? Is it your story? Is the story that you think you're telling? Is it the story that you're supposed to be telling? So the job story, also an extension of that. We've been thinking about the job post and holy shit, I have so much to say about job. Just don't say anything. Do you want to work at a high volume, fast, casual, multi-unit concept, family owned? Like, that doesn't say anything about anything. We see things like that all the time. So I want to get very specific. You know me, I'm going to keep pulling at the 
the specifics, the details really matter in the personalization. So that's what we're going to get into today. And uh, I have Sophie pop up a form that you filled out where we kind of break down some of these different elements. And I want to like kind of just go through this. So the first thing that we're looking at here, compassionate, patient, adaptable, collaborative. What you did is you broke down basically a line cook, right? You wanted a line cook and we wanted to understand what a line cook position would look like for look who's cooking. And so attributes, I'm a big, big believer. We have to talk about who we are before what we do. We get so caught up in what we do thinking that that's what matters. And yeah, you're in a restaurant. So the food and the drink does matter. We have to think about who we are before what we do, because the food is just, again, the extension of who we are. So compassionate, patient, adaptable, collaborative. I want to think about attributes, hire for attributes, train for skills. Why are those four something that you're looking for in a line cook? Um, there, I feel like there's elements of those that are not teachable. They're a little bit more innate in people. Um, the other stuff, the dietary restrictions, that type of thing, you can teach somebody. Um, yep. But I, I want somebody who cares about who's eating the food on the other side, you know, and, and puts their own heart and soul into that food, even even if it isn't their food truck, um, but being an extension of me. That's absolutely perfect. Patient, I think is important. Adaptable, <laughs> always in a restaurant is important. Now in uncertain times, absolutely. Collaborative, I think you're working in a team environment, so, so important. I like that you had the compassion in there because sometimes, you know, you need somebody who can rough and tumble for sure in the kitchen, like you got to be able to grind, you got to be able to hustle, you got to be able to work hot, long hours. But compassionate, it like really matters. It keeps you grounded. So I, I appreciate that. I like this too. You branded already. Amazing. Love, love. Protector and advocate of wow. What is a protector and advocate of wow? I appreciate the, the branding. Now you have to spend a lot of time defining that. So let's start. Protector and advocate of wow. Who's that? Okay. Um, so the way that I looked at it, you know, when Janice and I were kind of working through even just like a preliminary business card, cause I wanted to have something that I could kind of give out to people, you know, she came up with the master, um, and executive of wow, um, kind of for, instead of owner, because that's just so <laughs> blah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, as awesome as it is, you know, it's, we wanted to bring a little bit more personality into it, you know, for that line cook position, they are that person who, you know, is helping create that food to give to the end user and we want to make sure that it's safe you know that they understand the cross-contamination and that type of thing because that is going to be so vitally important on our truck yep i like that all right so here's what's going to happen from this is i love it brand it own it now you have to get very detailed on what that actually means because sometimes you can have a job this is minister of progress and it doesn't mean anything right it's just a bumper sticker so now you have to own that and understand what that means. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit more. And I love that you branded it. Now you have accountability to that because you're not just saying that they're a line cook, yet it has to be something that's not delusional. You know what I mean, right? So we'll balance that out. All right, let's scroll down. Salary, starting salary uh, that you had on here, $20 an hour plus tip share, I think really important. The dollar amount, I love. I love that you're willing to invest that much because I think it's so absolutely important. I also want to be, again, specific, broken record here, specific, because what I see right now playing out, and and you're not doing this, but I want to highlight it for everybody, is 
pay 14 to 18 dollars an hour based on experience and what's happening far too often is we use the 18 to be like wow they're paying a lot what we're doing is finding any excuse based on experience to only pay 14. And so we're like, I'm really pushing for this pay range to go away. What is the value that that job is bringing today that the business can sustain and maintain for what that position will be able to accomplish, right? And they can grow in that position as the business grows. Yet this range is like, you're not taking the time and effort to evaluate the need of the business. You're just throwing something out there to cast as wide a net as possible. And then we wonder why we're not getting the people that we're looking for. So I appreciate that. Why was that, not that number specifically, but why was it important for you to kind of lay it out, put that dollar amount plus tip share, kind of that, that organization for you? You get what you pay for and what you invest in. Um, you know, I was given, I was granted some really amazing opportunities on the front end of my career that I don't think I would be where I am without somebody taking a chance on me. And so for me, it's really about investing in that local community. Denver is not cheap to live in. Um, and I don't want somebody having to work three, four jobs because nobody's paying a, a, a livable wage um, to be able to sustain and survive. So my goal is people that are working with me can work less jobs, hopefully, so that they're also a little bit more invested in what we're doing together. Yep. That's that's it. We're moving on. That's exactly it. That's what we need to be focused on. These next sections, we talk about who we are, who we serve, how we define success. We we will not get into that right now. We, we've talked about that a lot, and I think you've got some great things here. We'll continue to pull, again, those threads to make it even more and more personal. Uh, and I do want to touch on your job, actually. So, and I'm just going to read this and we can leave the forum off for now. I think we got a good understanding of, of kind of the process we're taking you through. You, as a look who's cooking, paw, am I saying that right? They're paw. I love it. Are the protector and advocate of wow. This entails following allergen procedures, knowing the menu and all ingredients to help customers navigate their needs with confidence and serving fresh, flavorful food with consistency. So, Great. You need to tell them what they're walking into. And then the your job continued. We go into the different things. And this is where, you know, learning and using food safety handling procedures, knowing of all the menu items, ingredients, learning about allergens and dietary restrictions to speak knowledgeably. I think that's important. You're being specific about the education that they're going to need to have, right? Because we want to have attributes and soft skills, and there needs to be some hard skills as well, absolutely. And so those understanding what the what they're going to need to be able to learn, that's probably different, right? Because a lot of cooks think that they know about gluten intolerance. They don't. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's important, leading with those things. Uh, so the paw. I want to really, really dig into that a little bit for a couple of minutes. Allergen procedures, knowing the menu and all ingredients to help customers navigate their needs with confidence. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. Their job. How is a line cook going to impact the food that a customer has? How do you see them having that be a part of their job? Lay that out a little bit. Um part of that protector and advocate part um so you know looking at on our flop top if we're making something vegetarian vegan it's got a separate cooking surface you know be it a separate pan something like that that meat products don't touch um because that could make somebody 
um, sick, you know, yeah. at the truck being inherently gluten-free. So we don't have quite as much of that worry um, to navigate, but it's more about keeping the vegetarian and vegan items separate from, from the meat, meat side of things. And when that ticket comes back and it says vegan or can't have dairy, what does that mean on what modifications might need to be made or what menu items are they able to have? And can they go back, you know, to, in case it was missed at the window of, Hey, wait, this item does have dairy in it. Do they want to change it out for this other item or how do, how do they want to navigate that? Yes. Okay, good. I like that. So what I want to see is I think there's some room for, for improvement to say exactly what you just said, because what you just said is super important. It's practical. A little bit so i want them to understand that they are the last line of defense mm -hmm. you are absolutely the protector of that person getting exactly what they want i we need to find a way because you know you're navigating with space where cooks are gonna be like yeah sure you're gluten intolerant yeah you're allergic to everything what can you have water great you know there's a little bit there's a, there's a little bit of like curmudgeoniness to cooks <laughs> you know and there's a little bit of like well you know that's not how i cook all of those things, right? So I want to I want to touch on that. They are the last line of defense. Their ability to keep somebody from getting an experience that's not the experience that we want for them, that they want for themselves, is their job. And so we need to find ways that we are celebrating the fact that they are able to navigate something that's counter to the way that we normally navigate cooking in a kitchen. So I want you to really, really think on that. And find ways to have clear specific language that communicates that okay. so that they really understand that does that does that resonate with you do, you do you feel and understand how a cook needs to feel like it's not just a pain in the ass it's actually celebrating a job well done mm -hmm. okay so we're going to pull on that a little bit more I want to zoom out now because I think I think you got a good handle on it I think it's just going to be finding exactly you need to ask yourself the question of like how that person is actually going to interact with the guest or interact with the food or the equipment and tell them exactly what you expect of them. And then just put it in a light that has it be like, you're going to be a, a, doing an amazing job. Like the job that you're doing is going to matter to people. We need mm -hmm. to feel like it matters. Okay. So you got a good handle on that. I want to zoom out now because this thread of Asian fusion, your Chinese American story right? Who gets to be a part of that? There's a lot happening right now. We talk about cultural appropriation and who is allowed to, because you took a two week trip to Thailand. Does that mean that you're an expert in Pad Thai and Pad CU and SomTom? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. What I, what I know always is the people who celebrate people through food usually do a thoughtful job. The people that are so focused on the dish and trying to sell something that they think is unique or that there's a market for or that puts them in a position financially or that they have the talent to do it better than someone else there's the vulnerability and so i want to like really touch on that you are asking cooks now to celebrate chinese culture american culture in a new and different way how are you trying to go about that? Who gets to cook this food? Anybody? Do they need to understand your story? How are you going to communicate that to them and hold them to understanding the the cultural, the historical value of the food that you're trying to bring forward as well? That's a big question. That, that is a very big question. Um, I think that goes, 
there's a lot of different avenues that could potentially go down. Um, and I think it's very individual based off of even going back into those initial attributes, you know, the compassionate, the, the collaborative, um, somebody who is willing to learn, I think is step one um, of that. Because if somebody walks in going, well, I know everything I need to know and I'm going to run the show, like that's probably not going to be the right person for me to be a counterpart um, on the truck. Yep. So let, let's go even further. The, they think they know everything. This is, <laughs> we fake it till we make it a lot in this industry. We don't allow for a lot of vulnerability in this industry. You better be a badass on day one or you get pushed out the door. And so a lot of times we, we put up a facade. There's a lot of bravado. There's a lot of ego in this. And so, you know, because they've cooked on a walk before at a restaurant does not mean that they understand your journey. They don't understand your family's journey. They don't understand how you are thoughtfully creating something new. Not, you know, even the word fusion, I, I struggle with sometimes because it's a forcing of two things together versus this, this natural evolution of the way, like I see a lot of dishes and I'm like, that just makes sense to me. Like making, I don't know why I'm going here, but making ceviche with yuzu makes sense to me because yuzu is a Japanese citrus fruit. And if the Peruvian people have had that citrus fruit, they would have used it for their national dish. And I think there's a lot of thoughtfulness that I want to like understand for you. And so let's go even deeper with that. You're going to have cooks that have eaten a lot of Chinese food, have watched Anthony Bourdain travel to Shanghai, that have cooked on a walk. How do you communicate to them the depth of story and the importance of that history and how to evolve it versus just mashing a bunch of ingredients together and calling it Asian fusion. You know, I think going through the building of a new menu item potentially and okay. working with them on that so that we can create that together um, where they've got some input on, okay, you've got all this experience on cooking on a walk and watching these shows and that type of thing. What have you pulled from that that you think would be, um, that would add to this dish? Or what do you not like about it and why? You know, not just, I don't like it, but why don't you like it? And being able to explain that because I think the more in depth you can talk about those items, I think you get a little bit more invested. Um, so I think that's that's kind of where I would start. Yep, what I want you to do now, now this is where you go into the practical operations of it. Now we know that that is something that's gonna be fundamental to their success, to your success, to look who's cooking success, right? You now have to hold yourself, the business, and them accountable to that. So I want you to really think about how you're going to train them now. Like make it a process that feels natural and intuitive to a cook and something that is aspirational. I want them to feel like learning about dietary is not doing homework in a way that feels uncomfortable to them that feels like it's being forced upon them you're gonna have to find clever ways to have people really celebrate that now you could hire all people that also have gluten intolerance you could do that i think the likelihood of that happening i don't know right so you you probably need to be prepared for for any eventuality you also now need a way to train and teach your cultural story to them and this is going to be uncomfortable for you, Ching. I just know, like, you're going to have to get very personal. You're going to have to tell your family story. You're going to have to talk about the cookouts. You're going to have to cook those dishes with them. 
Like, here's one of the first dishes that my auntie cooked for me. Like, here is something that when I'm depressed, when I'm hung over, <laughs> whatever, when I need to feel better, when I have anxiety because I still don't have the permits that I need to get this food truck going and I'm freaking out, what do I eat that makes me feel good that comes from my culture, from my history, from my family? You're going to have to create that for them. They're going to have to feel that every day that they go to cook 147 orders of the Asian Cubano sandwich. So really, really think about that. Let, let's go there for a second. I want to know what those are. When I take you there, what are those dishes? What are the things that you're going to do? Like, you, you know, you have to teach them about dietary. Mm -hmm. That's practical. You're gonna have to teach them about your story. That's a little bit more abstract. Let's, let's go there for a second. Let's share with people how you might go about that, knowing that it's going to be an evolution for sure. You bet. Um, char soup pork, I think, is one of those just good comfort foods for me. Um, and that's why I was, as I was kind of brainstorming, just playing with menu ideas, that kind of popped up. And I was like, okay, well, how can I do it? Like, so it's not just char soup and rice, you know, or in a bao bun type of thing. Because um, I don't even want to think about doing a bao bun on a food truck, personally. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> But something that, you know, it, it kind of just evolutionized that, you know, I really like sandwiches as well. That's another kind of comfort food. So started kind of building those those layers and those flavors. And I was like, wait a minute, this kind of, you know, pickled mustard greens also um, is another item, too, that, you know, my mom would saute that and serve it with beef noodle soup. Um, yes. So just kind of playing with those elements. And that's kind of how that crafted together. And um, so... Yes. Okay. Here's what, here's what, let me just tell you what to do. Here's what's going to happen. <laughs> thing. I, I want you to make the original dishes and the extension of those dishes. This okay. feels like a way that you could take somebody through that journey because if they don't have, if they're not grounded, if they're not rooted in that original sauteed pickled luster greens with the beef noodle, it's easy to spin off your axis and just mash a bunch of shit together and call it fusion. And we see that all the time. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can layer 47 ingredients on top of each other doesn't mean that that's the right approach to take. And I think one of the ways that you could do that is ground them and inspire them by the dish that inspired you. Okay. So I think that will help you a lot. And I think it'll help them understand how you thoughtfully took beef noodle at the cookout with the Chinese family to the Cubano. And if you're able to create that story for them, then you can start to have trust and confidence that they'll be able to evolve that story for themselves and be a part of that story in a meaningful way so that they're not just slinging a bunch of Cubanos because they will burn out every time. And no matter what it is, they'll always think only about the money. And you've got to think that have them thinking about the family cookout and the beef noodle soup. That's what'll keep them going when the shit hits the fan, and it always does. And so that's, does that feel good? Mm -hmm. That does. Okay, let's, we're gonna, we're gonna work on that a little bit more. So now you gotta, <laughs> now, now you have homework. Now you gotta yep. start making some <laughs> beef noodle soup. You gotta call, you gotta call mom and say, hey, look, I'm gonna need you to coach me a couple times. I think I got it pretty close, but I, there's, there's something, the secret ingredient is in mom's hands you can never cook their dish quite as good as them, so you have to get pretty damn close. Or when you hire somebody, you just gotta fly, you gotta just fly in, mom. Mom, you gotta come out for the weekend and cook for us, you which bet, would be yeah. even maybe that's even better. Yeah, maybe a couple, your mom cook for them could be even better. 
couple of years ago, I went home for Thanksgiving and just hung out with mom in the kitchen, just watching her cook because I was like, how do you make this? And she's like, I don't have a recipe card. She's like, I put a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So I'm sitting there like taking notes, like trying to get like rough measurements and taking video. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got at least that to reference back to. Yeah. That's so funny because when you get professional, it all goes on paper and there's value in that because you're doing production. But the reality is there's love in it. And the secret ingredient, like I mentioned, it's in their hands. The way that they feel, have a natural feel for the ingredients, the way that they use their senses. I add it when it smells right. <laughs> I turn the temperature down when it when it's bubbling correctly. Like they have these, these sensory emotional connections to the process because it's it's innate in them. It's it's sensory, it's secondary to them because they've been doing it so long and they are tied to when they first had that dish or the person that taught them how to cook that dish. So I really, really want you to, that's, that's where it is. That's what it's going to take is, is communicating that to the people that you work with and then making sure that they get paid well, making sure that they, that they have a living wage, making sure that you invest in wages, benefits, culture, and education, the four pillars that I really focus on in investing in people. So you have all the foundation. I, I appreciate this. This is really great. Uh, Awesome. I'm fired up. I want some beef noodle soup with uh, <laughs> mustard greens. Yep. So when, whenever you're ready, I'll, I'll be over. All right. <laughs> Love it. All right. That is it for today. Next week, we're going to have uh, Jordan Bush from Seven Shifts, who's underwritten this whole series on CEO and founder and somebody who just is really thoughtful about the employee life cycle, what it takes to be an entrepreneur and just like a really forward thinking a person. So I really appreciate that. And we're going to get into in startup mode. When do I hire? When do you start to hire those people? It's it's hard financially. You're just like, I need to invest all of my own time. I can't afford somebody. And uh, Jordan has a really good understanding of kind of when the rubber meets the road and how to invest in those things. So we're going to really pull at him. And it's going to be great. He's He's annoying like me and asks a bunch of questions too. So uh, he'll ask you some questions and to get into it and kind of pull at some things that are personal and important to you. So we'll get into that next week. And uh, yeah, so I'll see you next week. All right. Sounds great. All right. Have a good one. You too. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, that is it for this episode. Uh, really good. Uh, I love where, where Ching is at with the customer archetypes, really understanding their journey, why they would order who we are. So fundamentally important. You have to invest in people. This is absolutely fundamental. The food is just an extension of the promise that you make to yourself, to your family, to your community, to your business, to the people that work with you and to your customers. And the more that we stay grounded in that, focused in that, the better off we're going to be. Once again, this is was Best Served Podcast. What was this, 284? I don't even remember. 284, got it. Who gets to cook Asian food? Who's going to be a part of this journey with Ching is going to be so, so important. And this is episode three of eight in the comments. Go and check out the full series as it evolves. Uh, links to the series will be in there and links to um, Ching's website and some of that. You can kind of follow her journey as well and check her out on social media at Look Who's Cooking. That is it for today. Appreciate all of you, as always, for tuning in. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.